This is some very fun socks, Rob. Yep. What made you? What made it a fun sock day? What made it? Well, look, rivers. Okay. Now, rivers used to be really upmarket. Did it be like in the mall over there? Rivers. My mother, when she was still alive, would buy me one very expensive shirt per year from Rivers. Always a very, very good shirt. With obviously like a button-down button shirt? Like this sort of shirt. Mm. And then Rivers started to, to import cheap stuff. And that's when I became a fan of Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> so a box of six socks for about six bucks. Yeah. And I'm six pairs of socks it. for six bucks? Well, who knows? Maybe $12.50, yeah. Oh, okay. So you yeah. just doubled the price there. No, I didn't. More than double. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. <laughs> I thought you were saying a pair of socks for a dollar. That's not bad. No, no. It's, it's Black expensive. Friday. You could probably get it. Black Friday, yeah. yeah. But this is back, you know, 20 years ago when rivers yeah. went cheap. So. Mm. And Black Friday sales didn't exist. No, they did not. Mm. Were we in America? I don't know. All right. Gentlemen, what are we going to do today? Uh, I don't know. Well, we're going to start the podcast, so let's do that. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're back here on the Chip Lunch podcast. We have a returning guest. Does anyone call you Robbie Doyle? Uh, no, no. You can call me Rob or Robert or Commissar. Commissar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Just so com- they, he knows his place. Commissar, yeah. Commissar Doyle. Very yeah. good. Um, welcome, Braden. Thank you. How are you? Welcome, Joel. I think the, the Rob's episode was the last. Was that the last chip lunch you've been on? Um, yeah, I think so. In between, okay. has there been Macy and Adam and and the Darvels and the Darvels twins? Yes, yes. Last so week, which was very fun. Yes, you can tell when my exam period for college started. Yes, and now it's <laughs> now finished. it's finished. Hey, so go on, back. give us a quick wrap on college because that's probably something I'm going to touch on today. Um, Glad it's, it's over. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's over for now. What was your last exam? Oh. Uh, my last exam was doctrine, so nothing important. Nothing. <laughs> 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 the college lecture, the look from the college the lecture. doctrine lecture Excuse over me. There. I say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true commissar. Uh, yeah. um, Doctrine's fun. It's all noted, though. Yes, yes, yes. all noted. So that's what and I think. Straight it's kind back of to headquarters. Straight back to straight back to HQ. <laughs> that's right, Starling Road. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that where we got up to Rob was in your last episode was you became a college lecturer and then you were a college lecturer for quite a long time. How long were you? Twenty years, something like uh, that. Ah, good question. Well, I'm not very good at maths. Uh, oh yeah, we established that so last time. Lecture in maths, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So when did I start? You don't have to be exact. 82 through to the last lecture I gave at a different college was in 2019 in South Africa at George Whitfield College. Oh, wow. So you do the maths. 82 to 19. Don't look at me. <laughs> this is what we did last episode. What? Uh, I don't know. I come in like push on another question. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll ask you a question. And then I'll, uh, so it's, ni- it's 18 plus 19, whatever that is. 18 plus 19, it's 37. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can do that kind of math. Yeah, I can. That's not bad. (sighs) The reason I always laugh is that my son would do that, my nine-year-old son would do that way faster than I could. So he's a, that's why I always feel like I'm inadequate. (laughs) (laughs) One of the many reasons why I feel inadequate. And the bad news is it's going to get worse. Yes, that's (laughs) right. Well, it has. It already has got worse. 
Um, I, w- I was thinking about the last episode we did, Rob, and that you did your PhD on Calvin, mm-hmm. I remember. I was thinking one question to start with was, doing that PhD, what impact did that have on your faith in terms of studying Calvin so deeply? Well, that's a very good question. Um, Excellent. It, the intensity of the study in the sense of reading almost everything that Calvin ever wrote, <laughs> plus going and reading into Calvin's scholarship, of which there's been a fairly good renaissance in the late 19th, certainly through the 20th century, and I'm thinking of Karl Barth mm. and T.F. Torrance and James Torrance and others, um, helped, I think, grasp and see, first of all, see the deep interconnecting structures of the Christian faith. Mm. Okay. And my, the topic I really concentrated on in Calvin um, showed the reason for those deep interconnecting structures, it seemed to me, which is mm. Christ and most especially union with Christ. Um, as we, he is the second Adam, we united him by faith. He is both our new ancestor as mm. the second Adam, but most especially he is our elder brother who prays for us at the right hand of the Father. So union with Christ is a, has a very big, uh, if I might put it this way, theological sweep across uh, all of the Old Testament and New Testament. Mm. Once mm. you see that, you start to see how the, the, the shape of the biblical story and our involvement in it at a deep level. And so that emerged from you studying. You, did you feel like Calvin was revealing that to you in a sense of studying all his work or God's revealing it through Calvin's work? Um, I, I'm not sort of reflective in that sort of way, I don't think. Um, I, I was reading it with interest, mm. uh, obviously, and starting to see uh, how, how that theme, Union with Christ, tracked through Calvin's writings. So that, right. And that's where I ended up really, writing a thesis on Union with Christ and Calvin the, the title of thesis didn't quite say that, but that's what I was doing. Mm. Um, so, in uh, what can we say? Look, it says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man's face sharpens another. Mm. So God teaches us through each other. Um, that's one of the reasons we come to church, obviously. That's one of the reasons we go to Bible studies, obviously. That's one of the reasons we pray with our friends or, or spouses in the morning and read the Bible, you know, over breakfast. As one face sharp, as iron sharpens iron, one face sharpens another. So God forms us through relationships. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, I had the privilege of enjoying a relationship, so to speak, uh, with Calvin through his writings and also some of the more contemporary um, writers uh, who have used Calvin and explored Calvin, mm. like Karl Barth, who I, I've never personally met, obviously, but uh, T.F. Torrance and James Torrance, who was my supervisor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it is funny that we can, you know, I've heard it as a quote when you read stories or biographies of people you're having conversations with the dead, in a sense, like conversations with people that haven't that have passed away, but they've been yeah. they've been doing all this work, like you have with Calvin, for example. I just started um, a biography of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
and I've only just, only really just like hearing about how his grandparents met, for example. Yes, <laughs> so that's, yes. I'm only up to that point in the biography, but Bonhoeffer is something that we've been talking about a fair bit lately in regards to, like on the shock absorber, into, especially in terms of costly discipleship and what it means to be a church and that actually turning up at church and regularly and being there for a long amount of time amongst God's people, how like that costs us to do that. And in our in our society or culture that's not really that's not really valued as much as to give something up for someone else or to be in relationship with each other. Um, so I was just interested in, I mean I suppose as a as a college extra I'm sure you came in contact with Bonhoeffer's works. So my question was, did you? What was your learning from that? Only that's really just a selfish, personal question because I'm just starting to understand and read some of his work. Is there anything that Bonhoeffer really impacted on you in terms of being a lecturer or even just on your own faith? That's a very good question. Look, my, my reading of Bonhoeffer has been spread out mm. over a number of years, and I certainly didn't. I don't think I ever read anything by Bonhoeffer. I knew about Bonhoeffer, but by Bonhoeffer when I was a student or when I was doing research in Aberdeen at the university. But from time to time, over the years, I have read um, uh, uh, quite a bit by Bonhoeffer. And uh, even more recently, I've been back reading a bit more by Bonhoeffer. And again, a very serious theologian. Mm. Um, And again, one who had seen and grasped and applied that truth that God works through relationships, committed relationships, and that it's not just merely uh, horizontal relationships between us like here, but at the same time it's vertical relationships. So Bonhoeffer in his own way has, again, a big grasp and understanding of what union with Christ means. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us more about that union of Christ idea though. What What does that mean for people that may have only heard it once or don't understand it fully? Well, you think, I think the first thing you've got to do is go back and think about who is Christ. Mm. Um, so Christ is the Word of God. He's the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. He is God who came to us and took human nature upon himself, our human nature, uh, even our fallen human nature. Um, and in that he battled against sin, death and devil, and finally through cross and resurrection and ascension, he defeats sin, death and devil. Yep. Okay. Now, what does it mean? For, what did it mean for him to assume our human nature and with what he did with it? Well, the description in the Bible is that he's the second Adam, so he's the new founder of the human race. Mm. Uh, giving us a fresh start, um, uh, enabling us to be lifted out of um, the spiral uh, with the old Adam into more and more self-centeredness and death and alienation from God and alienation from each other. So he's assumed our human nature and he is our mediator. So that's the next step to grasp. Uh, He mediates between uh, us and God. Now, the question of wh- wh- who is the best mediator? Now, I used to be a trade unionist. So, <laughs> okay. All right, <coughs> Okay. So, you've got uh, one of the things you've got to worry about with a mediator between you and the bosses is 
if the mediator is too much on the boss's side, are they really going to be able to represent me back here, you know, uh, at the workplace? Mm, mm. You know, are, are they really going to represent my interests and get the best uh, deal with the boss? So, so on, that's one. Or on the other side, what if the mediator is too much on my side? and cannot see the bigger picture that the boss has to work in economically and leads us into a, a sort of a, 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 a union attack upon the boss which ends up with the boss going bankrupt and we're all out of work. Yeah. Okay, so a mediator needs to be representative of both sides. Now, bring that sort of view to Jesus, and we see in Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2, in, uh, in summary form, in ch- Hebrews chapter 1, he's presented as truly God. He is God's word. He who is God has acted to take away our sins, round about verse 3 in chapter 1. And then he is above the angels yep. uh, in the, as they move through chapter 1, and, in the, and towards the end of chapter 1, he's addressed with all the names that are given to God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. He's addressed in that way. So he's truly God. Right, so that's one half of the mediatorship, okay? Uh, <clears throat> but in chapter 2, it's stressed again and again that he is the second Adam, first of all, uh, in those opening verses, read about verses 5, 6 following, and then our brother. And that's mentioned uh, dir- indirectly, uh, directly three times, and that's worth looking up, and indirectly five times because this. Th- there are three quotes from the Old Testament and one of them the word brother is in and the second, if I remember right, the second two quotes are in fact, if you go back to the Old Testament and look at the context, <coughs> these are the prophets and this co- one of them in case is Isaiah mm. who's got a few problems and he's surrounded by his mates. Mm. So Isaiah is a brother figure in that context if you look it up, okay? And so Jesus is the perfect mediator between us and God and the chapter concludes that as that perfect mediator, our, both our Lord and God and elder brother, he has defeated sin, death and devil. Very strongly so. And, and we're invited to put our faith and trust in him so that we too might be renewed. So union with Christ then is, uh, means that we are united to him, um, that we become his brothers and sisters, uh, that um, we start to be able to share uh, the strengths of his humanity, like saying no to the devil, uh, which James talks about in very graphic terms. Uh, just turn your back on the devil. Mm-hmm. I, did I say this in the last podcast? Luther, in quoting that, uh, says, yes, what James is saying is that you turn around and fart in the devil's face. <laughs> <laughs> now, we can do that I because that. <laughs> we are united to Christ. We are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, if you like. Mm. A deep relationship. Um, we re- retain our individuality, as we do in all relationships, but... We're deeply related to him in the same sort of way we're related to our own family uh, and so forth. 
Does that make sense? Or? Yeah, I think so. So that's union with Christ. Yeah, I, I suppose I, the reason I asked the question is it's been a, something that I've been uh, thinking about a lot more lately because uh, Paul, you know, one of our pastors here at Soul Revival, um, uh, preached a sermon on that maybe a month or so ago, maybe two months ago. I can't remember exact timing. Um, <coughs> and then uh, I read in a, a book, which is a book called Deeper, was talking about that too. And I was just, it was just a, a concept or an idea that I hadn't, I was really aware of. Yeah. Um, but I found it really encouraging and really helpful to know that, like, we are like one, we are united with Christ. Yeah. Once we call on Him to be our Savior. Yeah. And I think that's, um, uh, I think that's very helpful in terms of resisting sin as well to know that, no, no, Jesus is like, you're 100% united with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very important concept. We might be able to shine a bit of light on that concept from, um, from uh, uh, a general sort of religious outlook that is in much of uh, Africa uh, below the equator. Uh, and our African traditional religion now, uh, by and large, um, has, has uh, a fourfold structure of reality. So there's the pure divinity, and then there's the um, sort of the sub-divinities. Uh, there might be like a tribal god or something like that. Okay. Okay, that intercede for you with true divinity. And then there are you, some of your ancestors who have been good guys in the tribe, and they have been promoted after they died to, uh, to becoming mediators for you. In that context, and last of all, there's the Sangomans. Uh, a very, very bad translation of that is witch doctors. Okay. But Sangomans are, are uh, tribal priests. Okay, so what are we saying? So that in that context, then, oh, and the other thing that's the so there's a fourfold level mm. of connection between us and divinity, and the other thing that is most important in this is community. So your community, tribal community or what, your community is the one that works out and decides who can be trusted back up here in the fourfold level. Which one of your ancestors can be, say, at level three? That's one of the job of the San Gomez is to, is to work that out. Okay? And in the end, the only mediator that you can uh, rely on in that fourfold thing is the one who has come from your community. So... A question often faced by African Christians is, is Jesus sufficient? Because he's not of my tribe. Mm. Oh, right. He's not of my community. Mm. Okay? So where are we going with this? That's um, what I was going to ask you. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's the parallel? Okay. So what we read in Hebrews, and again, look, I'm only just following the track here of uh, some African theologians. Okay. Uh, and one of my research students. What we read in, in the book of Hebrews, uh, which we just looked at very briefly, is that Jesus is our true brother. Mm-hmm. He's our true mediator. And because he's our true brother, the second founder of the human race, we really do belong to his community. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. Um, he can be fully trusted. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, or? I think so. Okay. So... It, it removes then a disconnection between us and God. Mm. Now that disconnection um, uh, is expressed in various ways in our culture. 
um, a fairly typical way from uh, Roman Catholicism and, and more broadly speaking, right back in my family background, generations ago I had some Roman Catholic background. Um, there's a connection between, even in that Christian, uh, Christianised version of Roman Catholicism, there's a, a, a disconnection between us and God. So that you need other mediators along with Jesus. You need his mother Mary, you need the saints or whatever. And part of the job of the church is to decide which of the, your local people here in Australia or wherever, wherever else can be qualified as saints so that you can offer prayers to them who will then offer prayers to God. So there's a disconnection there and Roman Catholics feel that very deeply. Mm. Okay? Okay. Um, there's also, uh, if, uh, uh, more in our own times, I think there's a disconnection uh, pressure upon us uh, uh, generally, but also upon Christians because of identity thinking and identity politics. Yep. Okay? Now, there's two things going on there in identity thinking and identity politics. One is that I am defined by my victimhood. My feelings and yeah. things like that. Yep. Um, I'm defined by my enemies. That's a sort of a Marxist concept, actually, um, a neo-Marxist concept. I'm defined by my enemies. So my enemies are very important to me because they define me, stand over against me. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and a second aspect of that is postmodernism, that the only truth, there's no absolute truth, there's no interconnected truth, really. There's only just my truth. Yep. Okay. So in identity politics, then, um, I am whom I am in, uh, over and against those who are different from me, who I must regard as my enemy, and I am who I am in my own community. That is, the other people, the other victims I identify with. All right, does that sort of sink in? Yeah. That is, if I want help in life, so to speak, I... I uh, <clears throat> I, I would go online uh, if I have a particular identity, what it, whatever it might be. It might be uh, somewhere on the LGBTQ+, that sort of... But there's, there's other, uh, other identities out there, including more political ones. Then you'll go out online and look for someone in that community to help you, mm. to give you a grasp on the problem you might be facing today. Mm. And someone who oh, wants okay. to speak to yeah. you from another community... Well, that's very suspicious. See, there's a lack of connection there. Mm. Now, bring, yeah, bring that into our Christian experience. It raises again for us, I think, uh, in more modern terms, the sort of uh, older Roman Catholic experience of disconnection between us and God. Mm. So who do I look for for help if I am in a particular uh identity group if I need help mm. and Jesus isn't a member of that group see the problem yep. well again scripture uh, helps us here points out who Jesus is truly God truly man our elder brother our mediator who prays for us mm. at the right hand of the father mm. to whom we are united by faith and therefore we can expect help from him uh, very positively and move in that direction and not be limited by identity politics or identity thinking. It's a single source of truth too, I think, to, to test everything against rather yep. than yep. if I'm using the, my identity as truth, 
then all these truths are going to be competing against each other. Yep. And I think, I mean, the thing that I also think about is when you're saying that uh, Jesus, we're united with Christ, is also that something that I have always thought about for the last few years, and that Stuart said, is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, didn't just reconcile us with God, he reconciled us to each other Correct. as well. Yep. And I think that is mm-hmm. a reality, I think, that maybe... Sadly, and it's I'm just sad for people that aren't able to experience this that aren't Christians is that they don't I don't think they see that I don't think I mean we've started this conversation talking about Calvin and Bonhoeffer knowing we're actually reconciled to those guys as well for what they're helping us in our relationship with God mm-hmm. as we study them um, so maybe there's no question after that but I was, it's I see what you're saying it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Can I switch it a little bit to Brandon? Because you haven't actually spoken for quite a while. I've been, no, no, I've been listening. For I've, been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very interested. You've just finished, you have finished your third year at college? Yeah, yeah I, I guess going off what Rob was saying, mm. I just reflecting um, as you were talking of how encouraging it is, the gift that scripture is, um, bringing those things out of Hebrews and obviously... Um, you're bring you're looking to um, bring out the meaning that is written there. You're not reading into it what you want to hear, but also it's very encouraging how God has given us that gift that keeps continuing to teach us, despite obviously some of these things being very recent developments. Obviously, some of these challenges being for um, African tribes on the other side of the world, but it's just mm. as applicable. Um, the lessons and teachings of Scripture can be to those situations. It's very encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, the other thing to say, I think, is that if we want to understand something, we've got to understand it on its own terms. Mm. And that means the first thing we've got to do is to go to the place where it reveals itself. Yeah. (laughs) So here's something I used to um, use in the classroom to to try and describe that idea. Mm. Uh, If you want to understand motor cars, it's no use asking... Uh, questions of, of a motor car engine yeah. uh, which come from botany. Yeah. You've got to learn to ask questions that come uh, from the engine. That is, what is a conrod and, and how does the piston work? Now you're asking about stamens uh, or uh, petals and so on. Okay? Yeah. So you've, to understand something on its own terms, you've got to go to where it reveals itself and we have to learn and we change the way we ask questions uh, to, to be able to understand its own inner rationality. Yeah. Okay. So that's sort of epistemology 101. Yeah. We know no Christ, and this is, again, quoting Calvin, but you'll find this in almost all Christian writers, we know no Christ except Christ clothed with the gospel. So as we come to scripture, we don't just come to a book per se, we're yeah. coming to that place where Christ reveals himself. Yeah if that makes sense. Uh, and it's also, therefore, when we think about it, because of the work of the Spirit, a direct personal conversation between Christ and us as we read Scripture together, yeah. as we pray together. He is in the room with us. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in that way, I think there's a... Oh, what am I trying to say here? The vibrancy of the Christian life mm. uh, is strengthened and undergirded by us reading Scripture together. Yeah. And that's, of course, one of the, the points that Bonhoeffer made. And when he set up the uh, alternate 
theological college to the ones that were then starting to be run by the Nazis. Um, that the students there had to go out and, and spend an hour, I think out in the fields, if I remember rightly, mm. um, you know, somewhere outside outdoors, unless it was snowing, of course, um, <laughs> and spend an hour a day just reading scripture and then just come back and chat to their friends about what they'd discovered. What they'd been, yeah, what yeah. had been revealed yeah. to them. Really, and and Bonhoeffer was there, it was driven by the truth that, mm-hmm. that we know Christ when we come to him um, where he really... Reveals himself, which is cl- uh, through the scriptures. Does that make sense? Or? Yeah, totally. Okay. So you spent. Sorry, I know. <coughs> I just where you might change the topic. Just go a little bit. Just go. Um, you spent a long time <laughs> um, teaching, obviously teaching people about um, <coughs> the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> oh. um, how do you think your relationship? With scripture changed over the whatever it was 30 37 37 years of (laughs) i like that question of teaching because obviously teaching something gives you a different relationship to it than just experiencing it that's with most things well the more you apply yourself to know something yeah usually and uh, if you're asking the right questions and you know being disciplined uh, the deeper you'll know it yeah so I, I think that's the, the relationship. I don't think I've ever doubted that the Bible is the word of God. That's partly growing up in a, a Christian culture and a Protestant family, so to speak. Yeah. And churchgoers. I, I don't know how, if we were very Christian, but certainly we were churchgoers. Yeah. Um, and then obviously when our culture, when you grow up, become a teenager and your culture is pushing you away from the Bible yeah. and so forth and from your Christian faith... Oh, and then, oh, reading the Bible and with friends, yeah. Mm. yeah. You can start to see and hear, so to speak, yeah. the word of God, God addressing you directly and at yeah. the depths of your being. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Favourite topic to lecture? Do you have a favourite topic to lecture? <laughs> Do I have a favourite topic to lecture? Oh, my dear brother. Uh <laughs> I've lectured on almost everything across yeah. the uh, yeah. uh, the the spectrum of systematic theology. Yeah, uh, I, I I rather like all the topics actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I was just checking if there was something that got you particularly revved up. Oh, a Trinitarian, uh, uh, <laughs> doctor of the Trinity. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. And doctor of the Church and so forth, and atonement. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Also had the privilege at one stage of. Uh, teaching on the doctrine of creation and so oh, yeah. forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. How do you prepare for as a college lecturer? So, like, how much work goes into you being ready for a particular, like, for something you're talking about during the week? Okay, good question. I always love yeah. hearing uh, people's processes of how they work on something that obviously takes quite a while to to get good at. Well, let's say it's a new topic, right? So do you have anything in your head um, from your previous background as a theological student, whatever, whatever, mm. which gives you a sort of a basic structure or a basic approach to that topic? Yep. And you probably do. So you, you might start there. All right, then my next step would be um, to try and identify the, uh, the biblical passages 
that uh, pertain to that particular topic. Mm. Um, also, and at the same time, be reading one or two major th- theologians um, who aren't experts, experts on the topic but are looking at that topic within the broader view of the whole teaching of the Bible, yeah. systematic theology, if you like, and <coughs> also then going into um, more focus, someone who's written, perhaps written directly on the topic in a focused way. Mm. And then you go into the more um, recent research on that topic, sort of the level of um, journals and so mm. forth. Mm. Now, that's a broad front, but yeah. in, a, in a way it's like a Russian army um, yeah. <laughs> which advances on a very, very, very broad front, if you know anything about history. Yeah. Um, uh, Ukraine accepted. Russia just like chucking men at things. <laughs> really is what you're saying. And, and you move on this broad front uh, at each of these levels uh, together. So it's not as if I, I used to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but sort of you'd move forward. And what you're trying to do is to sort out, well, what is the major points that need to be made here and grasped and then try and work out some way of communicating that to a classroom. Yeah, yeah. And that takes takes years, bro. So, (laughs) (laughs) how do you? What's your like number one tip as a lecturer or a teacher to get people thinking the way you want them to be thinking? Because if you're being a lecturer, and I've you know I've only been to union, you know which which person's a good lecturer and which one's not. Which one's making you actually pay attention and think? Do you? How do you get them? um, My guess is you actually want people thinking about something, not just comprehensively like you know using comprehensive question comprehension as questions mm. you like ask them a question they just give you a standard answer you want to be thinking about it what would be your tip to get people thinking okay uh, i think two two tips one of them in fact came uh, as I developed as a lecturer mm. and we did have input from the outside from sydney university for example on um good ways of lecturing yeah. And of communicating. Let me say, I was almost shocked when they came across and did that because I went to Sydney University back in <laughs> the 60s. Yeah. And I don't think the lecturers had attended any of those courses, but they didn't exist then. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Um, I think two things. One is have a summary. Yeah. So that people can get an a, a overview of what the the overview of what you're trying to say a summary yeah and then the next thing I, I usually do is to try and identify some problems you're trying to solve yeah okay okay yeah so um, summary I think is is good teaching because that at least uh, so to speak uh, the student can see the whole field we hope yeah, yeah. and not sort of wonder where am I I'm lost in the bush somewhere yeah. <laughs> so that, that's that's one but the second thing is um, uh, people are interested interested in in problems mm. and solving problems yeah and some of them may even they may even thought about some of those problems or not thought about them so and that's sort of introduction and then you uh, work through with trying to sketch out an overview uh, within which, you would seek to solve these problems or throw light yeah, on yeah. the problems, even if you don't solve them. 
Well, then you're, yeah, you're equipping them with a tool, but you're also showing them how to use it at the same time. Yeah, which is very helpful. Rather than just, yeah, rather than just handing someone a hammer and walking away. Yeah, smash the nail, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's the basic, isn't it? But then it's kind of like, what's. What's after that? How, how do you open the mind, open someone's mind to go, there are different perspectives to be able to sure, be more willing sure. to listen. Because I think about, I really enjoy reading books on leadership and coaching, especially in sport. Mm-hmm. And there's always these questions like a young coach comes in, sometimes is younger than some of the players who have been established, you know, heavy hitters that have been mm-hmm. established for a long time in a team. And sometimes they ask, well, what did you think? What did players think that when you were younger than them you and you were telling them what to do yeah. and um i think about uh one of the times that uh, bill belichick went into coach for the new york giants and the nfl team and they were like we didn't care like we at first we were like who is this guy telling us what to do but then they're like oh his knowledge is way more than ours and he's more passionate than we are at at this and he can teach me something new that i don't mm-hmm. know and i think it, even as, as a coach you're a teacher in some like some form so it's similar to that yep, isn't it absolutely so what, yep. what do you bring extra yeah. to the table that someone hasn't thought about that you can you can broaden that knowledge is that kind of how you were always trying to trying to what you what is that what you were trying to do for your students i'm not necessarily trying to point to something new that i have just thought of and therefore i've now solved the problem yeah <coughs> that it's uh, been thought about you know say from augustine in the 5th century and uh, John Calvin <laughs> yeah. in the 16th and Karl yeah. Barth in the 20th, etc. Yeah. Um, <coughs> uh, I don't think I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand and help others understand mm. uh, the topic. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and within that, there'll be indicators on, uh, uh, which will allow us to approach a problem yeah. Um, it might fall in general terms within that topic and, and seek an answer. Mm. Now, oc- occasionally, occasionally you might have a, a brilliant insight yourself. That's <laughs> I'm not like that. And there are some people. I was very fortunate to be taught by people who did have very good and excuse me, <coughs> um, a fairly original insights into the teaching of Holy Scripture. And I speak here of Broughton Knox and Donald Robinson, who later became Archbishop of Sydney. But uh, I, I'm, I don't, I, I'm not at that level, so to speak. Now, you mentioned something about reading books, and that's a, 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 another way I have taught, and I think it's a very good way of teaching. Mm. That is, if you sit around with friends or fellow students, if you're paying money, um, <laughs> and are reading through a book, mm. then you, you, the challenge of reading says to you, ah, I've got to sort of understand the big picture here. I've got to understand the steps that are going on. And your grasp uh, improves as you talk to each other. Mm, different perspectives. Yeah. On yep. the same thing. Yeah, on the same thing. So uh, another major way uh, I was uh, fortunate to engage in teaching um, was sitting around the table, especially with fourth years, um, looking at some Christian classics and reading them together. Mm, that would have been okay. cool. Any yeah. any reading recommendations oh, from yeah. Rob? That's a good idea. Where where <laughs> would you start? Oh, anywhere you like, bro. There's plenty uh, out there. Okay. Oh, come on. Uh, Surely you've got one. That well, you if you haven't already done it, uh, Calvin's Institutes. Oh, yeah. 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 <coughs> that's uh, you, I think you said on the last episode that that's almost required reading it. 
oh, it more is. colour. Yes, it, it is required. Really. Unless things have changed, it, it, it's a private reading and you, yeah. you sign a piece of paper where it says at the end of year four or the end of year three or sometime, I have carefully read Calvin's Institutes. At the end yeah. of every year. Oh, there's different points of it. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's changed. There's yes, yeah. no and I yeah. plan but to. But reading, yeah. reading uh, two volumes like that, well, it's in two volumes or, or uh, it's in four sections. Reading one section, say, together as a group, that is a very good way, I think, to learn and to help each other. As iron sharpens iron, mm. so one man's face sharpens another. Mm. It's fascinating so. how, whether you agree you need to sign the piece of paper or not, it's fascinating how impactful a book that's been written in, did you say, is it 16th century or 15th century, yeah, Calvin? 16th. 16th century is still key to understanding the main doctrines of, of the of the Bible and that it's it's lasted that long and even yeah, to today we're yeah. saying how how important that is I mean I, yeah. that's I think uh, that's something I find really special about books is that they can be much longer lasting than the person who actually wrote them sure 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 mm. I can make other recommendations Augustine's Confessions yes yeah. I've got uh, that I haven't read it yet though uh, okay we'll find a few mates and read it <laughs> yeah excuse me <clears throat> what else could I suggest oh no that's too long um, no, well, it's too long. <laughs> you can say it. Doesn't mean we'll read it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, any of the short, shorter books by Bonhoeffer, most of them are short, like Life uh, Together and Yeah, Life Together and Cost of Discipleship. Cost they're of the discipleship. two that I'm Again, aiming they're for. worth they're worth reading. Mm. I mean, there's a, a number of good writers out there mm. and good books. Uh, incidentally, the you're going to sell your own book. Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't your your book's reasonably well priced, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. What is your book on? Uh, I, I've written a book on, on the doctrine of the church, ecclesiology. Oh yes, uh, it's okay. an academic book. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was very pleased that the publisher published it and all that sort of thing. But then I, I nearly died of shock when I found found out how much they're selling it for. Do you want to put that on the podcast or not? Is there a Black Friday, Friday sale on it? <laughs> I don't know. You have to. Once you go online to Rowan and Little, mm. and uh, I think they're the major... Oh, they're the uh, publishers? The, the overarching company uh, that, okay. uh, that now is uh, responsible for Fortress Academic Press. Yeah. yeah. What are the, what's the process of... Sorry, if this is a... Good question. What's no. the process of, like, obviously you... Uh, you Writing obviously has something to do with writing a book, but like what's the <laughs> process of writing a book and then getting it published? What does that look like? Did you write it first, or did you write a proposal and get, yeah, like guarantee publication? <clears throat> well, I, I can only speak on, on how I've written mm. two books, Ooh. Um, Ooh. so to speak. I've Part edited, one. edited I've contributed to some, okay, um, but you know, edited volumes, mm -hmm. a chapter yeah. here or there. Um, well, both of them came out of my teaching. Mm. Okay, so the first one was on eschatology. Uh, Do you mind defining eschatology? Es for eschatology um, is an overarching doctrine in Holy Scripture and it's, it's about the end we're heading towards. So it's knowledge of where we're going. Yeah. Or you could put it another way, the end times. Yeah, I was just laughing because the exam I sat on Tuesday was eschatology and... Ecclesiology. The yeah. two, the two books. Did you read his books? No, I didn't read his books, so obviously I'm not going to oh, do You should very do well. well in your exam then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
No, uh, it, it, you can see it right there very early in Genesis and especially uh, it comes, comes together in chapter beginning of chapter 12 that God promises to intervene in human history mm-hmm. to reverse the, the terrible wreckage we've made beginning with our ancestor, the first Adam. Okay, with our hatred of each other and our turning our back upon God and so on. So there he promises to intervene in human history through Abraham and then through his descendants, not only for the good of the people he's going to collect together, but for all the people of the earth. And, and we move, as you track through scripture, you move through the unfolding of that, of that final vision, which turns out to be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, so our eschatology then is a, is a theme that's right through the Bible and it's a promise, but it's also an activity that God is doing now. Yeah. So already we enjoy that new creation because of our brother Christ and our union with him. Hmm. So uh, we share uh, his goodness. Hmm. Um, we wait for the final fulfilment of that in our own resurrection on, on the last day. But already, in that way, uh, we're in that last time. We're able to love each other and to serve each other and to say yes to God and yes to each other and no to the devil, again, to quote Luther, um, in a way that we couldn't do before. And that's because we're now already new creatures mm-hmm. on a journey to a, a complete unveiling of that. So that's eschatology. That came out of my notes. Excuse me. Yeah. <coughs> and can I just, before you, yeah. go, you move on your book about ecclesiology, can I read you a quote? Because I think it will help. A quote, go. The essence of our corporate identity is fellowship. Soteriology is expressed as ecclesiology, for the foundation of the church is the atonement God himself has made. The church only begins in space and time as a consequence of the person and work of Jesus. He is the one for the many and in the many, and therefore churching or meeting together is absolutely necessary for salvation. Relationships are real insofar as they are expressed. Failure to express a relationship as we have the opportunity to do so is to deny it. Yep. Do you know who wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> you. And with the help of Broughton Knox and others. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just re- reading that yeah. as an introduction to your book on ecclesiology. Yeah. What did that? What does that mean? Sorry. What? Uh, what does what mean? Well, let's start with ecclesiology and then okay. what you meant by what I read. Sorry. Oh boy, that's a long quote. Mm-hmm. Um, ecclesiology is just knowledge of the church. Okay. The church is the community of faith, if you like. We are, to use a biblical description, the body of Christ. Um, We are a family together uh, with Christ as both our Lord and Saviour and also our elder brother. Okay, so we're coming back. So church is an expression of that. Now that relationship is permanent. And it is, it is created through Christ and we enter into that through faith. We become brothers and sisters even with Christians we don't know. Mm. Okay? Um, we're reconciled to them. So what our churching does our, is meeting together to express that relationship. So we meet in a building like this or in our lounge rooms or wherever and we're expressing that relationship and, that, and nurturing that relationship, or put it more directly, God is nurturing us through that relationship as we share together. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. 
So, uh, what was the rest of the quote? I'll the, give you the, the yeah. main part. The one that I'm interested in is that he is one for the many, referring to Jesus, yeah. and in the many, and therefore churching or meeting together is absolutely necessary for salvation. Yes, yes, yes. you want to delve now, into that? Okay. So, you, uh, you decide, no, <coughs> I'm not going to go to church. Mm-hmm. I'm never, ever, ever going to meet with Christians again. And I'm a Christian. Right? You're not saying you're walking away from the faith. Mm. And the answer is, well, you have actually, because you've turned your back on Jesus, brothers and sisters, and that means you've turned your back on Jesus. Wow, okay. Okay? Yep. So relationships, if they are real, need to be expressed. Take marriage, for example. Okay, so a husband and wife. If they never talk to each other, you know, if they never go on a... uh, a dinner date together, etc. Um, the relationship's unreal. The marriage really just exists on paper. You know, it's heading uh, for separation and divorce. So, if relationships are real, they ne- are, are real. They are expressed. Mm. Okay, mm. and as they are expressed, they also nurture the relationship. Like, and that's the same for all relationships. Okay, so therefore, with our Christian, our relationship to God um, is a church relationship as well as a direct relationship with God. It's horizontal. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, um, vertical in Christ. Mm. Is that that helpful? Yeah, I think so. And so because of that, again, we talked about that reconciliation between us and God but also each other. Yeah. It's imperative that we express that together. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Well, as we have opportunity. Yes. Okay. So you might not be able to make it to church for whatever reason or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. are you saying that as yeah. you, if you are able, yeah. it's you yeah. m- we so, must we must express it together. Exactly. So if you're uh, you know you're on a country journey somewhere out towards Burke, and it's you know Christians are meeting this day. Oh, it's Sunday. Well, then you go and try and meet with them. Mm. You know, it's just natural. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the, the sort of memories I've got of being a young Christian when I was about 18, perhaps 17 or 18, was ending up at someone else's place um, so I don't know, Friday night, just having tea and coffee and realising this, this was with only, I knew, only knew one person in the room, mm. but as we started talking to each other around you know, coffee and so on, um, you, you realise you actually already have a deep connection. Because of Jesus. Yeah, because of Jesus. Um, it, it really does. It really did strike me mm. uh, with uh, really complete strangers. Mm. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know how <coughs> uh, it's often reported that church attendances are declining, even for you know, Christians. How do you, taking into account what we've just been talking about in terms of ecclesiology, that we must express the relationship that we have. Mm. How do you interpret those statistics that sometimes they're saying that a regular Christian is someone that goes to church once every four weeks? Okay, well, if you're, excuse me, <coughs> if, it, if you're doing sociological statistics, you've got to work out your parameters. What is it you're going to measure? Okay, so if you're doing a church... Uh, uh, if you're trying to mem- uh, measure uh, the level of Christianity in your society, 
one of the obvious things you would try to measure is church attendance. Yep. Because that's fairly typical of Christians, is it not? Mm. Okay, so the person doing that survey makes, makes those assumptions. Um, and therefore, okay, well, 10% of people go to church once a year or, or 2.5% go uh, every two weeks. Okay, and if on that sort of survey you're going to you because of your assumptions um, that your Christi- Christianity is expressed through church going, you're going to say, well, you're going to conclude there are various levels of Christianity operating here. Does that make sense? Even like a level mm. of maturity is that what you mean? Well, it could be, yeah, yeah. Okay. or commitment, if you like. Commitment, yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. where I think I'm trying to get to. Is okay. that how do you how do you talk about commitment? Because that's something that we often talk about just in terms of soul revival and that we want to spend more time with each other, expressing that relationship that you have with each other. And then you you don't want to come across as like, well, if you're not doing that, then you're not a Christian because that's not true. But also there is a lot more to come out of spending more time with each other and not only just saying church is just, I'm a Christian. There was something we were talking about on the Shockers Orba last week with Tim. Was, is it, are you someone of the world that goes to, says they're a Christian and just goes to church once a week? Or are you a Christian the, the entirety of your week and church is the time that you come to express that reality of relationship? I'm just trying to tease that out of the, how would you approach that when you're talking about it, even at college or even trying to encourage people that church really shouldn't be optional if you're able to make it. I don't think there's much more I can say. I mean, we've already talked, talked about this <laughs> uh, on both sides here. Uh, church, we've got to grasp that church is a relationship, or better put, it's the expression of a relationship. Mm. We are the body of Christ. Mm. Um, Paul addresses the group that meets in uh, Corinth, say, and says, "You are the body of Christ. Yes. We are. The, and Christ only has one body, uh, and therefore, that needs uh, relationships need to be expressed as we have opportunity. Now, that's important to grasp that because there are some people who have very little opportunity to express it. Uh, in some cultures, they might be living." In, in a culture which is very decidedly anti-Christian. Mm. And they might in, be the only Christian maybe in the neighbourhood or whatever. Okay, So you can only express that relationship as you have opportunity. Or you're imprisoned. Yep. Now, some of our reformers, uh, some of the, uh, uh, not necessarily colleagues, but uh, um, pe- people at the same time as John Calvin ended up in prison. Uh, in fact, uh, Archbishop Cranmer ended up in prison, one, one of the founders of Anglicanism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there you're, you're cut off from everybody. But the sort of testimony that uh, guys like that gave uh, in, in their diaries and so on was that as they prayed, they genuinely felt that they were praying with their Christian friends, mm. praying because they were praying to Christ who is their brother. So the fellowship is, is operating even 
when occasionally, physically, it can't be expressed. Does that make sense? Yeah, and if that's true, and then we have the opportunity to express it further, yeah. why don't we t- let's let's take full advantage of that? You must take full advantage of it because um, let's put, it's, uh, it's the old question: Is church online really church? Yeah. It's been around for quite a while, that question, at least mm. 15, 20 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, are some par- uh, there, there are some denominations which are just running online services and they've been doing that for a while. Okay, and they're saying that's real church. Okay, but is it? Well, God has created us as psychosomatic entities, that is, psychological, uh, thought world, but bodily, somatic, bodily entities. Okay, so all relationships then, uh, to be fully expressed, will have a, a, a bodily part to it. It's important for us in getting to know each other to actually meet personally when we can. So it's not just enough, if you have opportunity, not just enough to um, go to church on your TV screen. As you have opportunity, you, we must express that relationship as meeting together because God works through that psychosomatic entity which we are. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain. I mean, if you're talking about Hebrews and don't give up the habit of meeting together. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But and during COVID, for example, we tried as much as possible to express yep. that reality that yep. we're talking about. Yeah. But we, that's because we didn't have the opportunity to meet together. Yep. That's right. But then when. Yep. Coming back out of COVID, when it was safe to do so, yeah, we obviously wanted to make sure that that reality happened again, even to a yeah. greater extent, by actually yeah. being in presence with each other. Yeah. Let, let me give you a, a hard English word um, <laughs> <laughs> from the lecture platform on this. Fel- Christian fellowship requires propinquity. Oh, what's that? Propinquity. Ah, propinquity. You can look that up in your dictionary. <laughs> propinquity. It means physical closeness. Closeness. Okay. Yeah. Okay, as we have opportunity. And that's why, of course, uh, we were very, very glad when COVID died down and got under control and we could meet together again physically. Although we were nurturing each other through Zoom and other great uh, blessings, if I might say, Mm. that didn't exist 25 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a good point. But as soon as we could meet together, we met. Mm. Brad? I was just thinking about what's the difference between... What was it? Propinquity. Propinquity. And proximity. Like proximity just seems like the yeah. same word yeah. but a lot easier to say. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make you feel as smart though. So yeah. Yeah. I, I feel smarter now that I know that word. Yeah. Yes. Propinqu- I've already propinquity. forgotten it, but that's fine. Propinquity. Yeah, yeah. that can be there. Uh, well, I, I, I'm hoping that the word propinquity carries with it both physical closeness yeah. but also intellectual. Ah, See, of the mind. Well, we've got the title of the for same the podcast mind. to make See? sure no one clicks on. Propinquity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, proximate sounds like uh, just physical. Anyway. Yes, yeah, yes, okay. that yeah. is true. Yeah. yeah. Can I go back to the Union of Christ thing? Sure. And it's just, this is, this is the book that I, I read a quote from this book called Deeper, which has had a, a big impact on me. I really enjoyed it. But he uses the, the idea of union, union with Christ. Yeah. There we go, we could say it. Um, but he says, think of yourself as an onion, <laughs> which is quite funny. But then he says, the outer peel consists of the peripheral things about you. So the parts that don't matter much, like your clothes, the car you drive, things like that. So then you peel away that layer. layer. What's next? Collection of things a little bit more essential to who you are. Your family, your personality, your blood type. So peel the next layer away. 
and that's your relationships, your dearest friends, your roommates, maybe uh, your spouse if you're married, peel the next layer away. That's what you believe about the world, the truths you cherish deep in your heart, who you believe God is, you know, whether you believe you're going to heaven, then peel away the next layer after that. That comprises all your sins and your secrets, past and present, things about that no one else knows about you. So if you keep peeling away layer after layer after layer until it gets you to the very core of what you find, that's where you're united with Christ. I thought that was that was a really good way of uh revealing it to me to understand yeah. that that's how united we are yeah. with him. I would add extra to that. That yeah. is the inner layer determines, fine in the end, it determines the outer layers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, I think you could say that about the vegetable, couldn't you? Could you not? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, not that I know much about botany, <laughs> let alone gardening. Um, but the, the acorn which is the inner, very inner core, becomes over time an oak tree. Mm. So the inner layer mm-hmm. determines the outer layer. Yes. So they're not disconnected. Yeah. Okay, so it's important to see that. So the inner layer means that then the goodness of Christ and what he's done for us works through that outer layer. Forgiveness of sins as we go further out, um, being reconciled to each other, Mm. and having a proper perspective on the motor cars we drive, if you like. <laughs> okay, not worshipping them, but being thankful to God that we've got one mm. and can afford the uh, diesel or whatever it is we put into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it refills <laughs> your type yeah. of car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. I thought it was just a really special way of understanding it. But I the think name of the book? Who do you want to hold Deeper. It? It's called Deeper by a guy called Dane C. Ortland. It's only right. re- reasonably recently published, okay. maybe the last okay. couple of years. But right. uh, Lewis and I have read it, and uh, we've been planning to get together to talk about it as friends, but okay. we haven't we haven't done Good. it as yet. Good. But um, yeah, any other questions about what about college? You got what? Have you, you got any advice, Rob, for Braden now? Oh, finish wow. his third year. I thought, year, I thought you were saying Braden advice for Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Teach better. <Yeah. laughs> I never had Rob as a lecturer. I, didn't. I know many people who have. Reflect fondly. You must have some very old friends. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any yeah. advice for him? Because I don't think he's gone through it. Like, you know, when you've got exams and stuff, we talked about HSE last week, like last oh, couple HSE. of weeks. Exams and all I that, thing, like the stress and the, the intensity. That I'd like it said first that I am on the side of the spectrum that probably doesn't take exams as seriously as they should rather than the oh. other side of the okay. spectrum. So, first of all, this advice would be lift your game. <laughs> See, I need the, yeah, the, the yeah. stick, yeah. not the carrot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, okay. <laughs> this is the way I think you should view an exam. Now, it, it may depend on what the exam is and on what yeah. topic and how they set it up. But by and large, uh, exams enable you to bring a whole uh, subject or topic mm. together. Yeah. Okay. Um, (coughs) So it allows you to have the big view Mm. uh, and understanding the big view with respect to the the individual components in the view Mm. and how they relate to each other. Okay, so therefore exam preparation is a fantastic time. Yeah. Very positive time. There's a good positive spin on it, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And then you come come to the question. (laughs) Yeah. And then you can, your mind will will probably operate in this way. uh, That is, where does that sit within the big view? Mm. What may be its connections? And off you go. Yeah. 
and of course you always uh, try to have a three-point answer <laughs> and plus an introduction and a conclusion yeah yeah <laughs> all right yeah. yes thank any, you any hot tips to study for him oh i don't no, I don't, I don't, I don't know Braden this well is, This is oh, my brain right. yeah. turned off. Yeah, keep, I'm turned keep, off for the year, man. Keep meeting with friends after you graduate. Yeah. And oh, reading yeah. stuff together. Yeah, okay. yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And also, I mean, you, you, you will be doing that with uh, you know, like your colleagues in a church you're working in mm. and also um, with, with your fellow parishioners. Mm. Yeah, mm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How did you find being a part of the college community for such a long period? How did, like you obviously had kids in that time as well. Yeah, you had a spouse yeah, who was part yeah, of that. How did you yeah. find that community? Well, look, again, communities form us. Yeah. Mm. And at one level, it's a very great blessing to be a member of a community or communities um, diff- uh, for a period of time. Yeah, because it, it it allows the possibility of development as you interact with others, yeah. as you support others and they support you, and that that I think is one of the great strengths of More College's uh, way of approaching theological education to do it in community. Yeah, mm. and there's lots of evidence to show that that has good long term outcomes, mm. as well as the immediate outcomes of being able to understand and grasp the subject. Yeah, and the knowledge also forms you and, and helps in your relationships. Mm. Okay, now the other thing about communities is that they're populated by sinners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's always going to be difficulties in community. Yeah. On the other hand, that that's an op. There is that is a place where the reconciliation that Christ has won for us can operate. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, we mustn't be utopian mm. about Christian communities. Yeah. Um, and neither, on the other hand, must we ide- ide- uh, be cynical. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, where did you attend church when you were living in Newtown? Oh, where did we attend church? Oh, for a while, I was, uh, we were going out uh, to one of the outer suburbs to help there on Sunday. Mm. Uh, the name will come to me in a moment. <laughs> um, up near sort of Epping Way. Okay. Uh, Carlingford. Yeah. How's that? That's not bad. Carlingford. Yeah. It's a long time since I've been to Carlingford. <laughs> um, and uh, then we started attending at, uh, at St Matthias. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah over yeah. at Centennial Park. Yeah. yeah. I was asked to go over there and help out, and so we sort of moved our yeah. church, fa- uh, made that our new church family. Yeah. yeah. And did you have great memories from being there? Yeah. 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 That's okay. awesome. You see, it's like all communities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When did so you end up coming to Soul Revival? Oh, I think it was just bef- just as, just before COVID broke. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Ros and I have lived around Botany Bay. We used to live up in Daceyville, which is sort of yep. not on Botany Bay, but it's up near where the airport is. Yeah. And then we moved to uh, Banksia. We lived there for a while. And then we decided we'd move move out of a home unit and move down here. Yeah. Near the Shire, not into the Shire, of course. We, no, yeah, we certainly didn't want to enter into the Shire. <laughs> yeah. um, we knew that uh, we, you know, really wouldn't. Not right, not the right pick, I think, for the Shire. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're happy to go to church there. Uh, and a mate said, uh, look, why don't you, uh, 
Well, we thought, well, yeah, we ought to go to a church somewhere in this area. And a mate said, look, go and have a look at Soul Revival. So here I am. Oh, okay. Which mate? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. Yes. Bruce. Bruce yes. Hall. Bruce Hall. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. In essence, our original pastor of the church. Yes. Well, the original senior, senior pastor. pastor. He was the original senior pastor of Soul Revival. Why? Stu was... And being trained, being trained is that what? Yeah, is, is that, that what right? Yeah, yeah. to, be, yeah. to be yeah. become presbyter and was and yeah. was yeah, become yeah. presbyter. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. he was the head of ENC at and the time when we planted yep. Soul Revival. Yep. Yeah. And he so still yeah. has an input to ENC. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, what does ENC stand for? Evangelism in New Churches. Well, is that correct. Yep. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. For the audience out there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Christians love yeah. acronyms for the. <laughs> for the acronym lovers out there. Because my first impression of, of Rob was on Zoom with your magnificent library in the background. He'd always appear <laughs> oh, on Zoom with this yeah, right. massive bookshelf yeah. in the background. Yeah, I think we made about 12 months before COVID hit and we started Zooming. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Are we nearly finished? <laughs> so, sorry, you want me to wrap it up, do you? No, no, I want to go to the bathroom. Oh, take a pause. If you want to break, you go have a pause. break, go to the toilet. Yeah, we'll pause and you can go, okay. go to the toilet. I was like, that'd be the best way to end the podcast. <laughs> are we finished it? All right, fine, we'll finish. So I suppose final question about Soul Revival is, it, are, you, are you happy you, you, you did join? Because <laughs> that, 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 I mean, the library is a bit of a dream of mine, to have that big, big library in the background of my, my Zoom background so everyone looks, thinks I'm very intellectual. <laughs> um, do you never know how many books the person... It's actually read. Red. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Um, Soul Revival. I think, I think that Soul Revival is a great blessing. Um, the, the strategies, and that's probably too technical a word for it, but uh, the strategies that you have embraced to serve each other and our surrounding non-Christian uh, community, I think, are very productive. Mm. So again, I mean, meeting with me for meals. Uh, again, real fellowship, and God works through fellowship to build us mm. through relationships. Real relationships requires propinquity. Ah, <laughs> yes. Okay, so you're going to get intellectually closer and physically closer as you're eating together. Across mm. a table. Yeah. Okay. And uh, obviously we're often just sort of starting with how'd your week go and, you know, and what did you think of the last footy match, etc. <laughs> but we, in that way, we're starting to talk to each other and uh, we then start to seek to help each other as we see uh, needs in each other, if I can put it that way. Mm. Okay. So I think that's very positive. Mm. Uh the other thing that's very obviously not so well it is obviously positive is what is behind that. So I think what have you got about five hundred or so uh, members of yep. congregations more, I think, yeah. across our congregations, uh, of which about one hundred are involved directly in the food ministry. Mm-hmm. Now that's a very big proportion, and that is again I think a, a very healthy, healthy thing about our existence and I think God is blessing us in that way. Mm. So having said that, we're not utopia. No. Okay. So <laughs> we're um, we sometimes as individuals uh, bump into each other, if I can put it that way, or mm. 
uh, and therefore I've got to sit down and you know talk stuff through, which is good. Mm. But uh, I think it's also, uh, at, uh, especially at the level of leadership, you do a lot of work, um, not just overall strategies, but in depth. So how do you how do you operate that sort of strategy? How do you get uh, adults, for example, to be able to serve children better? And we've done a number of things that way in our as we meet in our different meetings, our different services. Hmm. Okay, so that's all, and and that includes w- what is now a norm and a good norm, which is child safety. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I think you're right. I mean, something that I truly value about the leadership of our church is how deeply we think about those things in in an effort to express both the truth and love yep. of Jesus and uh, that truth and love concept was what I was thinking about when you were talking about that as a mediator you can't be one side or the other there is like God is both it's tr- his truth and love mm. and I think it's really important to it's something I was thinking about the other day when I was driving home actually it was just yeah too much truth and not enough love is not actually expressing or the other way around, too much love, too much truth, and not enough truth, is not truly expressing what God has done for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's, yeah. thinking about that really deeply is really important, yeah. I think, and really helpful. Yeah. And it's interesting in the book of the Hebrews, and the, he's, the writer there is trying to help some Christians who have been marginalised within their own uh, Jewish mm. society. Mm. Um, as he sort of rounding things up, he's emphasising the necessity, again, to love each other, which flows naturally out of the way he's been building his argument. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about I think to say about truth and love is that, in fact, in the end, you can't have them without each other. Mm. So those who say, well, I've yeah, got... Cool. You, you have a lot of truth but not, not a love, well, they actually also, also should be saying, well, because you don't have a lot of love, you actually don't have a lot of truth. Because they affect each other. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or maybe you're, as you're criticising uh, your friend, you, you may be the one who has a truth or love problem. That is, you may not, on the truth side, be discerning it properly. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. It's complicated, but there we are. The two go together. Yeah. No, no yeah, that makes they, sense. They interact. Yeah, I definitely think that's yeah. true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't be a Christian without love or truth. Yeah. And it's not, not even a balancing act. They're, they're two aspects of the one thing which yeah. are united in Christ, to whom we are united. That's something I think I've been yeah. thinking about a lot lately, or even this year, was that with God it's not either or, no. it's both. Yeah. Not just with that, there's with lots of other things yeah. too. And it speaks to his pretty much incomprehensible, what's the right word, like, I'm sure you've got a word like propinquity, but the my capacity to understand his overarching influence on everything in my life and everyone else's life is a bit hard to comprehend. But that it, making it either making it both rather than either or speaks to him being that powerful and that awe inspiring. Yeah, um, and that's something that I've yeah been thinking about this last year can i ask you a final question so we put a clip up from your last podcast of you saying that the sexual revolution is your generation's gift 
<laughs> to our generation. That was in air quotes, guys. It was, it was though, but yeah. it was also it's the, it's also the much, most watched and piece of content we've ever put out. Well, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Uh, must have been a pretty boring week for a lot of people. Well, maybe. I think maybe you just mentioned the sexual revolution so people right. get interested in it. Okay. Um, what, did you mean, what did you mean by that in brief terms? In brief terms. All right. Well, it's interesting as the writer of the Hebrews begins to wrap up, Right, Hebrews is very popular on it this is. on this actual episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've uh, we, we've uh, studied Hebrews in church. We've had a series on Hebrews. Was it last? Yeah. year? was it last year? It was during yeah. COVID. It was during COVID. Oh, during COVID. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, he says that we are to keep the we are to honour the marriage bed. Okay. Right. So we're to honour marriage, and in that context, he's talking about community. That. As community, not just as individuals, obviously individuals, but as communities, we must support marriage. And he's using uh, terms there which mean support. Not just, you know, say, oh, I honour it, but support it. Okay, because that is part of, that is the way God has created us, out of his goodness. And as we engage uh, in marriage, um, and especially with, re- uh, with respect to sexual expression, we are enjoying and expressing, but at the same time, the goodness of God. Mm. Okay. And on the, on the negative side, his warning, um, make sure the marriage bed remains undefiled. Now, the sexual revolution, and there's a, there's a, a number of background factors from the, to the uh, in our society and sociological thinking back over several centuries that culminated in the sexual revolution. So it wasn't, we didn't invent it, guys, we just brought it to the forefront. Um, was that uh, basically we're sexual animals, individuals, and uh, the happiest life to have is as much sex as possible. So that's the, that's the, the revolution. And it's been a disaster. Now there's a, a, a number of, uh, uh, and as part of that, of course, as a society, we start to, to deprecate um, marriage, uh, traditional family, and start to push it out to one side, saying it's one form of identity. It's one form of existence, mm. uh, sexually speaking. Well, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is yep. that whatever the, uh, my identity is in something else, rather than what God has made me to be. Yeah, mm. yeah. That is, it is a fascinating thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, we had, like I said, we are, we are running out of time though. The thing that I wanted to say was, I suppose, to wrap up the episode, is that I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> it's been a really good discussion though. Oh, okay. Thank um, you, thank you. And I think that's been really helpful for... Right. I mean, it's a different episode for the last two because we've talked to people that just finished high school. And right. talking about the HSC. Right. So then right. to, to go all the other way and talk to someone who's been, <laughs> what do we say, 30, 37 years? I've, what, how, when, I think we might have got that calculation incorrect. But <sighs> okay, <laughs> no, I think about calculators it. Yeah, which, which year did you start I think it's 1982. So 1982. Say, it could have been 1981. Let's say 1982. I'm sure I was... And when did you finish? Uh, the last lecture, which I gave in South Africa, uh, was... 2019? 2019. Or was it 2018? Oh no, it was 2009. 30, oh, it's 37, 38 years. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so you're right. Leo would be proud of me. Yeah, my son would be proud of me. Last words 
finish the episode, Brayden, anything? Did we ask the, the <gasps> final question last episode? We did. I can't actually remember. Yeah, oh, we so did. We, we do, we're beyond the final question. We're beyond uncharted. comprehension. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> uncharted territory <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> really uh, I'm wandering all over yeah. the shop. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. okay. That's uh, sure. uh, thank you so much, Rob. And no, thank, thank you for you. the way thank that you. you bless our church in so yes. many different ways. Yes. Uh, believe me, brother, it's a two-way street. Yeah. And a lot of it's coming from that side to this. So <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, again, yeah. that's the point of like why at church we think that intergenerationality is yep. really important. Sure. Because you learn so much from you. Yep. You've done so much study in the Bible, so much study of God's yep. word, and we've learned a lot about that today. Mm. But then we we talk about stuff that yeah, you know and you can yeah. you continue to teach as well yeah, so. yeah. which is really really yeah. cool and again and to build yep yeah. and it's an expression of that relationship that Jesus won for us mm. which is really special cool. so yeah again that's why we do this podcast to yeah. celebrate that as well so yeah. well thank you very much okay one way one, one way, way as always way.